Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Agliolaro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. We got a good show for you tonight. Of course, we are rebroadcast, redistributed on all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for listening to us no matter how you listen to us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. And like I said, we do have a good show for you tonight. We will be joined by the returning Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of moments. Sure, we get a little Eric Pfeiffer here. Um, and we are currently at the deadest part of the sports calendar year there is because we are at the All-Star break, Major League Baseball. <coughs> of course, off-seasons for basketball and the NFL might actually be starting our preview of the 2022-2023 NFL season tonight, looking at the NFL West, our uh, NFC West. So we got that to look forward to. But yeah, no, we're at the All-Star break. Major League Baseball, a couple things to talk about there. And I guess that's where I will start while we wait for everyone to join here. Pete Alonso did not three-peat as the home run derby champion last night. Unfortunately, um, did not have the best first or second round, but the story of last night really was Julio Rodriguez hitting 62 home runs in his first two rounds, losing to Juan Soto in the finals. Uh, yeah, that Julio Rodriguez came from out of left field, literally did really good uh, in both the first couple rounds. And obviously Juan Soto, what more can you say about him? One of the brightest young stars in uh, Major League Baseball. And I guess that's where we'll go to next, because as we enter the All-Star break, um, Mets and Yankees, Yankees, best record in baseball. Mets, second best record in the National League. Um, both teams, as we've said many times on this show, they're doing all right. They're doing all right. Uh, the Yankees have, um, well, I mean, Eric sent the photo out last night. The, A, uh, the AL East really is like the toughest division in baseball at this particular moment because all five teams are 500 or better. And the Yankees are up by about 15 games in that division there. So they're the threats. Then you got uh, the Astros in the West, who are the threats there. Seattle did win about 13 games in a row towards the end of the first half of the season. Uh, not that they're the biggest threat in the world, but they have some young talent on the come up there. So you got that. And then in the and then in uh, the National League, Dodgers are the Dodgers, excuse me. And the Mets are still in a battle with the Braves for first place in the division. Mets have not for, uh, forfeited that first place spot yet. They did enter the break two and a half games up on the Braves, and they did take last week's series against the Braves two out of three games. But over the weekend, we got the big news, and the Mets got some good news a little earlier tonight because it looks like Jacob deGrom, who's thrown three rehab starts so far, Pitched a simulated game. Looks like the Mets felt good about the progress. And it does appear that Jacob deGrom is poised to make his first start of the season. I believe it is next week 
when the Mets take on the Yankees in their first two-game Subway Series matchup this year, I hate the way they scheduled the Subway Series this year where it's two sets of two games apiece. The first set of two games is, I believe it's in City Field, next week, like I said. And then the next, uh, the second part of the series is going to be in Yankee Stadium sometime in August. So there's that. But yes, it does look like the Grom is on the comeback. We may finally get to see him this season. And we've talked all season about what this team would be like with Scherzer and DeGrom, the offense, even though it sputtered last month or so of the season. You got Alonzo, you got McNeil, you got Marte, you got Nemo, you got Lindor. And then the news over the weekend broke that the Washington Nationals offered Juan Soto a 15-year, $440 million contract. There were reports that apparently the way the contract was structured were not to Soto's liking, because even though the Nationals are famous for deferring money, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, all three of those big-dollar contracts had substantial amounts of deferred money in them. No deferred money in this contract, but apparently the way they structured the average annual value a lot of the money was backloaded into the contract to keep the annual value down towards the front half of the contract. And Soto, who of course is represented by Scott Boris, turned the contract down. So right now it appears that if the Nationals cannot sign Juan Soto long-term, they will be looking to trade the 23-year-old superstar before this year's trade deadline. And I heard a number of things about this. You know, over the weekend when it first broke, I had heard reports that the Nationals looked at the Mets um, as the team they would prefer to deal them to simply in terms of the return and the prospects that the team could offer them. And then today I heard a number of things that really contradicted, contradicted that. I heard Buster only talk that the Padres were kind of the front runners on that one. And the Padres and the Dodgers both have, you know, two of the top farm systems in baseball. The Rangers signed a number of Scott Boris clients last year, so they would be another one in the mix for that. And, you know, as always, you know, the typical Texas Rangers, yeah, let's load up on bats and do nothing about our pitching staff. That's a great solution. That worked out so well in the early part of the century when they signed Alex Rodriguez. But anyway. Um, it's funny because obviously, you know, we haven't, we, we've talked about the trading deadline and what the Mets need. And I've been saying for weeks now that the Mets do need a big bat. Juan Soto would definitely be that big bat. I think if you put Juan Soto on, uh, in the Mets lineup with Alonzo and all the guys I just named, McNeil, Lindor, Marte, Nemo, Canna, everybody. And then you got the Grom and Scherzer leading that pitching staff. Yeah, right. The bullpen is still um, something that needs an upgrade, but I think you put Soto on the Mets and the Mets go from just one of several contenders to, uh, and this is weird for me to say, because I'm Mr. We're doing all right. I'm Mr. Um, I'm Mr. Don't get your hopes too high. And yes, I know what uh, cousin David is saying in the chat about Juan Soto having a down year along with the rest of a Washington nationals team that is among the worst in baseball. I don't really put too much stock in that because, again, when you're on one of the worst teams in baseball, 
And again, you're 23 years old. You've had three or four really good seasons. I don't really look at that as um, as a big deal too much. But you put a guy like Soto on the Mets team, and I would be stupid not to say that the Mets would not be one of the top two or three teams in the World Series discussion. You go from one of maybe 10 to in that top three argument, not just to make the World Series, but to win the whole damn thing, realistically. But having said that, Cousin David does bring up an interesting question here. Is there a team that will go higher than 15 years, $440 million? I just wonder about that because I mentioned that I had heard it was had, had a little bit to do with the way the Nationals structured the contract. Also, the Nationals' ownership situation is kind of in disarray because they are looking to sell the team. So you got to wonder how much that played into it. How much did Soto really want to be on a team that is in a rebuild and will probably be in this rebuild for at least a couple of years now? But we welcome here tonight, Eric Tressler is with us here tonight. Eric, how you doing? <laughs> All right, Mike. The thing I was talking about before you came on, and I guess you're a good one to bring this up with too, getting baseball out of the way early here. We're at the All-Star break right now. You guys are doing all right. We're doing all right. Big news over the last week, Juan Soto turning down the 15-year, $440 million contract from the Washington Nationals, who now are apparently looking to move him over the next couple weeks before the trading deadline. A lot of teams could use Juan Soto. I gave my thoughts about him coming to the Mets before you came on, which I may now have to redo, but that's okay. Uh, what are your thoughts? You do. Uh, pretty much uh, your, your thoughts should have been, yes, go out and get Juan Soto. <laughs> Steve Cohen will sign him. No? Is that not your thoughts? I mean, that was basically it. You know me. We, we do tend to be a little long-winded here. So, I, I listen, I said this, and this is... Uh, good synopsis. Good, good synopsis. I mean, Eric, you might be surprised to hear what I said, but... Um, I said if the Mets got Juan Soto, you put him in that lineup with DeGrom and Scherzer, I think we go from like one of the top contenders to the top contender for the World Series. Ooh. All right. I mean, I think that's an interesting take. I mean, I don't know if I see it quite the same way, but it's an interesting take. I mean, well, I think they're a contender no matter what because of mm. their pitching, especially in the postseason, but um, and listen, another bat like his bat sure as hell ain't gonna hurt anything. So <laughs> I, I have to I have to read what cousin David just put in the chat because it's very true. He said it's an Aglioloro gene. You ask us how we're doing and you get a story. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But anyway, continue, Eric. I apologize. No, I mean, uh that's that's pretty much one soda. I mean, a lot of teams would like to have him. You know, a lot of teams are going to try to trade for him. But, I mean, apparently what the Nationals want back are ready-made guys. They don't want guys that are, you know, A-ball players or anything else. And, I mean, yeah, the Yankees have, you know, some prospects. And not that I'm sitting here being like, hold on to prospects. I mean, if they could get him for a Peraza or, or get him for – somebody that isn't, you know, Dominguez or somebody that isn't Velope or um, somebody that isn't, you know, 
Um, one of those guys, then, you know, I'm, I'm interested in it, but, and again, the reason I'm interested in it is because you really don't have to sign him right this second. Washington offered him that contract, but he's still under a deal for, I think like two, two years, two and a half years. He's got this year and then two more after this. So, I mean, you don't have to sign him right away. Yes. You're going to have to sign him when you do, he's going to require giant money, but right now you don't have to. So if you can blow the nationals away with a trade package, you're probably going to get them. But I don't know if the Mets have the farm system right now to do that. I think the Yankees have some pieces to do that. But if they do that, it's a clear indication that they may let Judge walk at the end of the year. Because I don't know if they're going to necessarily put out the money for Judge if they necessarily look at it and say, well, here we got Soto. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a weird scenario to play out. I don't think the Yankees are actually going to be in on Soto. I think the Yankees like normal, especially around the trade deadline. You always hear their name around every big player that comes out on the trade market. Every big player is tied to the Yankees or there's a rumor about the Yankees. That's all I think this is, is a way to bump up his value um, or to get a team to maybe offer just a little bit more. I don't think the Yankees are actual players on Soto. I think the Yankees have other needs pitching or whatever that they may want to focus on. And I don't think that this is a need right now for the team as much as yes, I want to get rid of Hicks and Gallo and Soto can easily replace the two of them. But at the same time, I mean, hell, if they do it, am I going to be happy about it? Sure. He's a great guy who's going to help, you know, possibly propel the Yankees to a world series. So, I mean, Sure, I wouldn't be against it, but at the same time, it's not what we need. So I'd prefer they went a different direction. Well, I mean, and you also kind of said it there because my initial thoughts when the Yankees got brought into the Soto conversation is if you guys got Soto and signed him, that would kind of be equivalent to you guys throwing in the white flag and being okay with Judge leaving, which I just, I, I, I would get it, but I don't see it is the thing. You know, I feel like if you guys are going to throw the money, you would throw it at Judge, even though if you're going to let him walk and you replace him with a 23-year-old, it does make sense. But um, I don't I, – I think your fan base would be fine with that, but I think there would be a little bit of a backlash coming from that. So there's that. And to go back to the Mets real quick, yeah, obviously I would want him. The thing that worries me because, in t- like, our f- Mets farm system is not deep. We do have three or four guys that we could probably put in a package together. I feel like one of them would have to be Francisco Alvarez. And maybe it's just because I've heard the hype train about this guy for the last six or seven months right now. I just think it would be a little weird considering everything that's come out about this guy that we like. Seems like a really good masher and everything. May have to work on his defense catching wise. But it just seems weird that you invest everything in this and then we're going to throw them away. And if you give away all the top tier prospects, we do still need a bullpen arm or two. Are you really going to clean out the cupboard so bare that you can't fill another need or two beyond that? That that's the thing that worries me, obviously in terms of the talent, I'm not worried about being able to sign them or anything like that. And the talent's definitely there. It's going to make for an interesting next couple of weeks though. He's going to go to a a contender. I mean, listen, who's to say that St. Louis can't come in 
and trade for a guy like that. They're a team that they're a baseball city. I can see them being a sleeper team as to, you know, make a move. Um, here in the Dodgers, you know, you're hearing, you know, the Angels. You're going to hear all the other teams, you know, out there. But in the end, I really don't know where the hell he goes. Mm. I'm going to be very interested to see, and I really am not sure. Yeah. I really, really don't know. I mean, I think the Mets would be smart, too. I think it just helps build what they're doing there. It shows Cohen, you know, not afraid. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it's something they're going to do, but I, I don't know if that's predict where I'm predicting he's going to go either, because I don't think the Nationals really want to trade him to the Mets in the division. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's that's another like level to this that I don't. I just don't think they want to do. I, I'll tell I'll tell you this. I mean, two things real quick. I, I've been saying the whole season the Mets need another big bat to go with Alonzo. With all the contact hitters they have in the lineup, it's nice, but you need another big masher. Soto definitely fits that description, especially after what we saw last night. The division thing, it's funny. I don't know if you saw the same things I was seeing, but I feel like over the weekend, the narrative was that the Mets are the team that the Nationals are kind of looking at in terms of what they would want package-wise. And then today I saw like three or four things that really contradicted that. So I, I get what you're saying with the division thing. I don't know. I'm not quite as confident – that we'd be the leaders in the clubhouse for him as I was, you know, a couple of days ago. So I don't know there, but uh, he definitely becomes the most high profile name on the trading block. As we reach the trading deadline, um, I, there's been a lot of decent players out there, but I wouldn't say it's been littered with star talent. So I think that's where we go there. Uh, do you have anything else you want to throw in baseball wise before we move on, Eric? No, um, listen, Yankees doing all right. I'm going to take mm -hmm. where they're at, 64 and 28. Going into the break, Judge tied with Maris right now, I believe it is, for most home runs for a Yankee going into the break. Um, I think he's on pace still for like 61 or 62. So, I mean, he's playing MVP level. And, uh, you know, listen, if the Yankees don't want him at the end of the year, somebody's going to sign him to monster money because he's – He's a special player, so, um, yeah, that's all I got for you baseball-wise. I mean, home run derby-wise, uh, I'll be honest with you, I fell asleep on it. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, uh, but, I mean, it's good. Uh, it's still, to me, the best event of any all-star game of any sport. Like, it's, to me, the quintessential thing. It's the best thing. It's better than the skills drill in the NBA. It's better than the skills competition in the NHL. Better than the dunk contest. It's better than any of that. It's it's the best thing of, of any all-star game weekend of any sport. Mm. Hands down. Uh, it's did better you, than the games themselves, in, in my opinion. Um, did you hear just, out of curiosity, did you hear? I, and I didn't know this till yesterday. If the All Star game tonight is tied after nine innings, they're going to a home run derby between three players from each league. To, yeah, to, I heard that. I think that's pretty cool that they're doing that. What I also heard though is last night there was a couple of home runs that were questionable, where like guy may have hit one after the buzzer and it counted, or I think Schwarber got either screwed on one or got an extra one. It was after and the buzzer. Yeah, so, I mean, but the thing is, is if that counted, 
that affects the books and people were betting on that. And I heard there was a lot of people who were upset with some of those numbers. Um, and yeah, so I'm wondering what they're going to do next year to maybe tighten that up because if you're going to have people out there gambling on it, like you got to make sure it's all in the up and up and you can't be counting shit after the buzzer and whatever else. So I think it'll be interesting to see how maybe next year they tweak it a little bit. Well, you got to have guys in the box who are watching that shit and watching the timer and everything. So, you know, it's on the level. I can tell you the Schwarber one, I saw that. That was clearly after the buzzer. So I didn't have a problem with that one. And then the only other thing baseball-wise I got for you is uh, after the game, have not seen it yet, but did DVR it. Uh, The seven-part series they got coming out, the captain about Jeter. Um, Very interested and looking forward to watching that. Uh, I think the next part comes out on like Thursday, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, obviously it's a story we, we all watched, you know, unfold ourselves. But at the sure. same time, you know, I'm still gonna watch <laughs> it. And uh, the, the thing that caught my interest the most, I guess, about it, because I mean, there's really not much to talk about. It's only episode one, only came out last night. But um, what I want to bring up though is Papelbon. Jonathan Papelbon ended up commenting afterwards on Twitter that said, like, hey, ESPN, if y'all want to do a real docu- uh, documentary on a real captain who whooped A-Rod's ass, like, let me know. And I just thought that was interesting because I'm like, well, one, Veritech is nowhere near the captain that Jeter is. Like, he's just not. Mm. And then, two, I was listening before to kind of jog my memory. But, yeah, it did jog my memory. Veritech never even took his mask off. And if you're going to get into it with somebody, that's like in, in hockey, like not dropping the gloves, like in my opinion, like, or like, you know, like if you're, if you're going to drop them, drop them, but don't like, you know, come at me with a mask on, you know, it's like in football, you know, if one guy comes on, you know, if you're, but you know, one guy's got a helmet on the other doesn't, it, it, not a fair fight, you know what I mean? So, I mean, that to me was a little interesting, but Papelbon should just shut the fuck up. Who the fuck are you? And why, you know, you're just trying to get you know, your little 15 minutes of fame again, trying to get a story for yourself so people come and interview you for something? Like, I don't know what you're really trying to get out of this other than just, you know, getting your name in the limelight, but shut the fuck up. I'd have to go back and rewatch the fight because I, I know the one you're talking about. Remember during that time, though, the Yankees and Red Sox were getting about three fights a year, including no, the one. No, this <laughs> was the this was the fight, though. This was... Pedro face slamming Zimmerman. This is this is the fight. This is oh, you mean like, you mean when Don Zimmer had the World War II flashback and charged at Pedro Martinez full steam? And yeah, and Pedro <laughs> took his face and threw it into the ground. Yeah. You know, oh, he yeah, just he just got him out of the way. Old and you're gonna throw him face first into the ground. You he just guided him. him. The bitch. Yeah. All right, I think that's enough of that. Pedro. Fair enough. But anyway, okay. I'm looking forward to the yeah. documentary. I'll give you an update on it next week after I watch, because I know I, uh, at least part one is out, and I, know, I think I heard part two is Thursday. Not sure if any more will come out before next Tuesday, but I will mm. have a little bit more for you next Tuesday on that. The only um, thing I, the only thing I will say, I, I'm not saying anything against Derek Jeter. I'm not saying that. But my thing, and I put this in the group chat, what most people liked and respected about Derek Jeter is that he was the type of person who didn't need a seven-part documentary series about him. 
it just seems a little strange that he's getting this treatment. Not saying he doesn't deserve it. I'm just saying it's it's a little weird because he but was again, always it's, it's, the it's, quiet uh, guy. You know, it, it depends on what they're going to show you. Maybe this whole seven-part series is a big nothing. And he still, and maybe this is something that ESPN or whoever wanted to do. And he went along with it. But at the same time, he was himself and didn't really give anything up, you know? Mm. Um you don't know until you watch it. Maybe it's something that shows you the behind the scenes of, you know, listen, he lived his life and was a certain player because this, this, and this, and, you know, now he's not a player anymore. His interests are different and, you know, he's willing to open up and talk about some different things. Um, you know, he's at a different stage in his life. So either way, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it and, I think it's going to be some interesting commentary. I want to hear about the him and A-Rod stuff. I want to hear about, you know, a lot of different things. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I'll report back next week. Like I said, if you get a chance, try to catch it yourself. And, uh, I might. If not, <clears throat> if not I, I understand that too. I, listen, I might. I Listen, I like the documentaries. So I had mentioned uh, before the show, I saw a trailer about a certain former no oh god damn it a certain former i believe it was notre dame player who had a big year in college about 10 years ago um the national championship game eric you know this a little better than i do he was a great story and everything his grandmother and his girlfriend died i guess on the same day so he's playing the game in their honor and then we find out a month later that the girlfriend wasn't real. It was a whole big scandal. You had certain opinions on the subject at the time. Manti Teo is getting a documentary on Netflix as part of their Untold series that's coming out. This is coming out on August 16th. And you were the person I immediately thought of when I saw this trailer, Eric. So I don't know. It's not. Seen. It's not untold, though. All they got to do is go back in the sports zone archives. I mean, I told this <laughs> story many, many moons ago about the about the the Manti Teo. I mean, I can't remember all the details right now, but what I do remember is that I really think that there was some other things going on. Um, you know, not necessarily that that's a bad thing, but just stuff that he wasn't ready to deal with yet publicly and. Just, I think that he has to deal with emotionally himself. And, you know, uh, I kind of knew that after that point, there was no point, there was no point in drafting him. Drafting him was like drafting Michael Sam. Like, I don't know if you remember Michael Sam years ago, but he was the first like, openly like gay player who came out and got drafted by, I think the Rams. Yes. And, but I mean, he, again, he was SEC Defensive Player of the Year, I think, one year. And he, he a hell of a football player, but he wasn't drafted for that reason. You know what I mean? And when that story came out about Teo, it, it no longer was about him as a football player. It was about him in this story. And, like, even when he got drafted, I think it affected his draft. I think it affected him as a person. And uh, he never was the player in the NFL at all that he was in college and never was the same person really after that story, in my opinion. So it doesn't shock me or surprise me that they're coming out with this story so many years later, but um, all I could say is, you know, I'm, uh, I, get, I get these things just r pretty right every now and then. And well, this, um, this is one I called a long time ago. Well, 
Yeah, about that. So you haven't seen this trailer, I guess, right? I have not. So maybe maybe I'm completely wrong here, and maybe you'll tell me how wrong I am. Um, it, it does look like they're not going the route that you went in terms of that. It looks like they're sticking with the whole catfishing idea, and the one who supposedly or allegedly did it is neve is neve on here is neve on here i don't remember who that is he's he, mtv filming this I, I don't know who's who's doing this show oh no netflix is doing this oh just to me this sounds like the show catfish it sounds like but MTV. but hey hey i say they are sticking with that whole theory and the person who allegedly did it, it was Tuiasa Sopa, not the football player. I think he was related to the football player. Um, they showed him on the trailer, and it looks like he uh, transitioned into being a woman as a result of this. So they're, they're leaning with that one. And uh, your theory that you had at the time uh, I don't. I don't think that's the route they're going with it. Well, it kind of is because I believe it was. I didn't, I, and I'd have to go back to the archives and and listen to my own self. Again. Well, if I remember, if I, I imagine, remember, I imagine that maybe I might have said something that maybe him and Tuiasa Sopo created this story, and maybe there might be something there more to me and CI. And maybe this ah. transition and whatnot, and you know, now all of a sudden it makes a little more sense. I don't think he was ever catfish. I just don't think this story was ever supposed to come out the way it did. And when it did, kind of blew up in everyone's face. So they all came up with a story that sounded the best they could. Um, you know, and catfishing was huge at the time and easy to go with. And I think that's the route they went because it's an easy cover up. Hmm. That's fair, and you obviously had your theory of, of Manti Teo's uh, orientation, let's just say. Um, I don't think Again, that's there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. No. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's all I'm saying is that, listen, be who you are. Like, but the thing is, is he lost himself. After, after that story broke, he was never the same person or same player again, ever. Mm. Well, he had a couple good years in the NFL, but you're right. Nothing compared to what he was supposed to be when he came out of college. I don't think he was ever a pro bowler. I don't think he was ever like really like a, you know, top linebacker on anybody's squad. Like, I don't think he was like where he, when he was there for, I mean, a good part until this story came out the way it did. I mean, he was set up to be one, of, you know, one of the top people drafted, and you know, you know, looked at as you know a great prospect at the next level. And I just don't think he ever achieved the greatness he would have if this story never broke the way it did. Well, and there is a clip in the trailer of Teo basically saying that this changed my life. It kind of altered my career. I can't remember his exact wording, but he basically did. He basically did say that. So. It will be interesting to watch. Like I said, I believe the date is August 16th. I saw this comes out. So maybe we'll do a little recap of it then. Um, I want to save the NFL stuff for when we get Dave back. 
Um, I'm guessing at this point, five. I was going to prob- say save uh, save any uh, NBA stuff as well because there is. I guess a little bit there, not much. But well, I mean, the only, the is. only, the only thing I think we should bring up NBA wise right now. You know, we were talking about the Donovan Mitchell stuff last week, and I saw a report that apparently they were close to a trade last Tuesday, Utah and the Knicks, and I believe Utah's asking price was kind of along the lines of what you had said last week. I think it might have been a little bit too rich for your taste, though. Because if I'm remembering it correctly, it was Quigley, it was Grimes, it was McBride, it was Obi Topping, and maybe one other player along with six first-round draft picks. Yes, that's where, you know what, I'll give them all those people other than Topping. Take Topping out. I'll give you Quigley. I'll give you Grimes. I'll give you, who else did you say? Uh, Quigley Grimes, Miles McBride, I think the name I saw was. There okay, might have been have, one of them. Yeah, they get, okay, so they can have those three, and I'll give them the six picks, four of which will be unprotected. Two, two have to be protected. They do have four they can use that will be unprotected. Mm. And you can always so, throw pick swaps in there, too. So I think – I really think it's going to take six first – Quickly, Grimes, and, you know, again, if they want McBride, give them McBride. If that's what it's going to take to get it done, take take Toppin out of that deal and get it done. Hmm. Yeah, the topping part, giving up quickly Grimes and Topping, to me, that was a little much. Six first-round draft picks. Yeah. Then I heard about them to save money to be able to sign Barrett, I think, next year or something. I think Mark Stein was reporting that there was a possibility of the Knicks trading Randall to, I think, the Lakers for Westbrook and the Knicks buying out Westbrook. Mm. I... I'm not totally crazy about that. And one, Wasser, but... uh, Westbrook is on an expiring deal this year, so that's why it would free up the money next year to be able to re-sign Barrett. Hmm. So, I mean, for that reason, if they had to do that to be able to re-sign Barrett, I do that move to re-sign Barrett. Not crazy was, about it, but I get I, I get the fight. Julius Randall for a little bit, but I'm 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 over I'm off the Julius Randall bandwagon right now. I get the financial motivation, so it is what it is. But this time, it's not a false start. He is here. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back after a one-week absence. Dave Hastings is here tonight. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you gentlemen doing this Friday? <laughs> we're doing all right. Did you, hear about doing- Did you hear any of what we were talking about there? Got any uh, any opinion on that? I mean, I heard a lot on my car ride, but it was all baseball related. So, you know, I don't got much there. <laughs> we were uh, talking a little bit about the Donovan Mitchell stuff here. And what it would oh, take okay. to get done, because uh, Mike was saying that, I guess, last Tuesday, they had a deal that possibly it was six. For, Utah was asking for six first rounders, plus quickly Grimes, uh, McBride, Top- and Toppin. Yeah. 
Yeah, and no, Mike was no. like, I think that was a little too rich. And I said, if they take out Toppin and it takes the rest of that package to get done, I'd do it. See, I'm not mortgaging my entire future for Donovan Mitchell. No, but see, the thing is, you're not mortgaging your entire future, though, because they do have like 11 first round picks in the next seven years. So it's not like they're mortgaged. They're still going to have picks. They're not, they're not mortgaging oh. their entire future. So that's the thing is that they they're 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 just they had stockpiled picks for a move like this. The only reason you stockpile picks the way they did is to try to make this move. So they actually have, I think, eight tradable picks, but really like what it's probably gonna take is and only four of them, four of those eight are unprotected. Um so everyone's thinking it's probably gonna take like six to do it. The Knicks are the only ones I think that can even go close to that. I think Miami, the max they can offer is three. Plus they'd be offering like Tyler Hero and a couple other guys. But Utah doesn't want Tyler Hero the same way they don't want RG, RJ Barrett because they're gonna have to sign those guys. And they don't want another Donovan Mitchell situation on their hands right now. They wanna start from scratch, scratch. So they don't want a guy they're gonna have to sign next year. So they don't want, that's why they don't want the Miami Heat deal. And that's why the Knicks are really the only ones who can offer them the package of all of the picks that they want, unless they eventually just get tired of dealing with the Knicks and say, fuck you and go with some, a package that's maybe doesn't have as many picks, but maybe more people who are ready-made starters. I don't know. Um, But the package of, of quickly Grimes McBride, I mean, they're getting three young players, um, plus six first round picks. I don't really know how you turn that down. If you're the Knicks, you do it. You still have first round picks. You know, you didn't lose everything. Um, and you now have your, your superstar that you can build off of. You now have your, your, you know, B player in Brunson. You have now Julius Randle, probably more in a role that Julius Randle should be in as like the third best player on a team. Um, RJ Barrett's still up and coming. So maybe that even may push Randle to four. And I mean, but you have those guys, plus you add in Mitchell Robinson. That's a solid starting five next year. But like I said, and I don't know if you heard it, Dave, but there was a report, I believe it was from Mark Stein um, that came out that said the Knicks might be looking to trade with the Lakers to dump Julius Randle in that salary, bring over Russell Westbrook on his expiring deal, buy him out, and then this way they'll have the money next offseason to sign Barrett with. Um, that's kind of the, the thought process right now. Um, get your thoughts on that, what you think of that. I mean, I only like it if the Knicks are going to buy out Westbrook and let him go. Um but I like it also, too, because it allows us to re-sign Barrett, and I really don't want to lose him because the Knicks really do have a track record of they don't re-sign anybody practically. I don't, they haven't re-signed a first-round draft pick in, like, 20 years. So Yeah, uh, I think Ewing was the last one. Yeah, like, I really and, don't think they In all fairness, you look at some of those who got away, you're talking about, like, the Frank T. Lakinas of the world, guys who just did not pan out. And yeah, I don't yeah, put they, poor they, Go ahead. They did have bad picks. Yeah. No. So go ahead, but, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I I wasn't aware that they had that many picks where, you know, dealing six still left them with, you know, four or five over the next couple of years. Um, so, I mean, that's good to know. But I, I just – I don't know. I just don't see how Donovan Mitchell is considered – like, he's dirty, but he's – I don't know. That's something you'd like. If you told me you were going to do that trade for Kevin Durant, I'd be like, all right, I can see that. But 
I, I mean, plus coming off the inch, I don't know, man. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell's worth that much to me. Um, but then again, he'd probably be the biggest name that came to the Knicks in a long time. So uh, that, that wasn't, you know, hopefully past their prime. Like whether he stays where he's at or goes to the Knicks or ends up somewhere else, I still think the guy – is a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully, no matter he's what, the he, best play, he would be the best player to come to the Knicks since Carmelo. There you go. So I mean that that says a lot right there in itself. But yeah, I mean if that's not a route you go, and you and you're trading, you can make a trade to get you know dump the Randall salary, get you take Westbrook, and you buy him out. Hey, it depends on what else is included. But if that's something that can work for them to free up the money. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, that that's the definition of looking big picture. Uh, so that's, that is one thing to keep in mind. Is that, is that how you want your team to be? Or do you want them to get aggressive and try to go after something? But we all know none of the huge names in the league are going to the Knicks unless they have a contract that they don't have a no trade clause. So, um, you know, the, the, that, that to me is, but I would give up six first round picks and, and, a lot of those players for uh, to get Kevin Durant. I mean, that's for sure. Hmm. I do I was, think, though, but bringing Mitchell in does make it, though, so that other stars would want to come. I do think he's a star and a player that other players would want to play with, if that makes sense. He's got a lot of heart. He plays hard. I think he's a guy in a similar vein to... Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I I see him in a similar vein, a younger version of like a Jimmy Butler. Like that, that's kind of how I view a Donovan Mitchell in my eyes. A little bit. I think I think when you trade from uh, grit and t- determination, you get in pure talent. And, and, and Dave, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I think pure talent wise, I think Mitchell's probably better than Butler, but Butler's got a drive and a determination nobody else has. It's it's the flip side. Mitchell is definitely better offensively and not as good defensively. Where Butler's first half of his career relied on nothing but his defense. So it took him a while to develop the offensive game he has. But now that he has, uh, I could see it. But Mitchell would have to get better on the defensive side, especially playing. I'm just under saying. Tibbs. I'm saying more in mentality than style of play. Of like that, you know. I, I don't. Know, I think Mitchell plays with a lot of grit. I think Mitchell plays with a lot of heart. Um, but that, that that's to me where I was trying to more compare them mentality wise. Mm. All right. Well, we can move off of this one. Uh, Eric, I believe you said you had another basketball point you wanted to wait. Yeah, one, until one more Go because ahead. I thought it, I thought it was interesting. And uh, last week, something else was done. The largest offer sheet ever was signed, but to me, it's not surprising because uh, he. Signed for max money, but not the super max money, you know, he could have gotten. Um, and that's that uh, DeAndre Ayton signed there or signed with the Pacers. And then uh, because it was the restrictive region that, that the the Suns were able to match the offer and they did. And he re-signed with the Suns and he says he's happy to be there for $133 million over the next four years. So um, I just thought that that was an interesting move. I mean, he is a good young player. I don't think he's the best center in the league. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily – maybe he'll get to that at some point in his career. I don't know if he will. Um, 
especially offensively because he does have Booker there and you know I I don't know if he'll ever reach the offensive potential that he could but um hell of a player and I think worth the contract for the Suns so just thinking well you guys thoughts on that I mean I think it's a no-brainer for them to match that offer sheet and uh yeah it's my opinion but Suns lock up Aiton go ahead Dave yeah, no, I thought uh, all in all, I mean, like we all know, NBA contracts are just absurd in general. Um, but I do think he's deserving of it. I think he's a, a talent in the league that there's not many guys that can do what he can do. Um, and, and that's what you're looking for in the NBA. You know, <laughs> you're looking for guys that are unique and have special abilities and skills that aren't, you know, found with every player that, you know, steps on a court and he brings that to the table. Um you know, he dropped, uh, I think, a couple different 2020 games this year. So, uh, he's he's a good rim protector. I, I All in all, it's, it's the right move by the Suns. You, you, can, you couldn't afford to lose the guy. Um, and he's got his money. He gets to stay with his teammates. He doesn't have to move his family. And not to mention, I would never want to live in Indiana. So, I, I think I'd take Arizona over Indiana. So, yeah, I think that works in his favor as well. My thing about Aiton is he's a good center. And Dave, like you said, there's not that many true centers left in the NBA right now. So to have a guy like that is something you want to hang on to. And for Phoenix, you want to keep your young core together. Him and Booker, you know, that's that's something you definitely want to keep together. So the idea that they were going to match the offer sheet, that's a no-brainer. My thing about Aiton is, you know, he's great defensively and everything, Eric, I know you mentioned the point that he's never going to reach his potential offensively as long as he's got Booker there. I get that. And you did bring up the 2020 games he had this past season. To me, offensively, he's not a consistent enough force for me. I think he works better in that complementary role where he can be the second or third option behind guys like Booker and Chris Paul. And that's why I think him staying in Phoenix is probably better for him because you look at what Indiana would put him around. Like, I don't know that much about Tyrese Halliburton, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be able to carry a team offensively right now. And if Aiton would have gone to, to Indiana, I feel like there would have been more onus on him to contribute from an offensive standpoint. And I don't think he was ready for that. No, he's not. And that's mm-hmm. why I- – Phoenix is the right spot to be. It kind of, the way um, Booker and Paul play complements exactly his perfect type of game. Pick and roll, let us throw it up. You go get it and throw it down. Um, you know, I, it fits his style and fits what is probably best for him. And you know, when it's all said and done, if you can make money and also win, that's a pretty awesome combination. Mm. Absolutely. Fair enough. All right. Um, did we have anything else basketball-wise? Uh, no, sir. Okay. We're going to get to NFL, but he is here tonight. I do want to bring him on here because the hockey offseason definitely started in full swing this past week, and we do need to hear all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Pfeiffer is here tonight. Fife, how you doing? I'm good, guys. How you guys doing? <laughs> Not too bad, man. We're doing all right. All right, We're man. doing better than Acuna in a home run contest, I can tell you. That. Ah. 
Doing better than your Braves last week, losing two out of three. I don't know who said that. Where'd that Where'd that come from? I don't know. Just fine. My focus was elsewhere. Okay, it must have been gas. All right. Um. (laughs) So let's talk a little hockey off season. What were your big uh, What were your big highlights from the beginning of free agency uh, this past week? I'm going to stay local um, with the uh, Devils and Rangers and the Islanders. Basically, did nothing uh, from what I remember. But um, the Rangers' big thing was we talked at the end of the playoffs that they shouldn't be complacent. They shouldn't stay stagnant. They need to add some depth down the middle. And I think they did that. Vincent Trocek signing was huge for them. Um, I don't believe it's just because he can generate some points. I think he had like 53 points in, in 76 games last year for a team that played maybe a little more defensive. Um, but the big thing for him is he's a plus 50% uh, face-off guy. Uh, I believe last year he was around 54 to 56%. And if you guys remember that first series with the Rangers against Pittsburgh, uh, one of the main reasons they almost got uh, booted in that series before they had to only shoot on Louis Domingue and then Crosby got knocked out was the fact that they just couldn't find a way to win a draw in the offensive or defensive zone. So you bring in a guy like Trocek and um, he may not be a number one center per se um, talent wise, but face off wise he is. So now you take the combination of a guy like Zibanejad who can create plays and put the puck in the back of the net and a guy like Trocek who can win you the big draws in your own end mostly, uh, but also in the offensive zone. And I think that's a really big ad for the Rangers. Uh, It's huge, to be honest. So there was that. That was a great addition for them. Uh, And then the Devils. Things went wild with the Devils uh, there for a while. Um, You know, everybody wanted Johnny Gaudreau. I think it worked out a little bit better for the Devils uh, not getting him because you were going to sign him to 10.5 over the next seven years till he was 36 years old. And now you got $6 million a year going to pull out, a guy with some playoff experience, a guy where if this young team makes makes the playoffs, a guy who can come in with those flashy rings and say, you know, this is why we're here, this is what we're doing this for. Um, I don't think he's the type of guy who's just complacent and taking a contract, you know. So now you're paying him, instead of paying seven years till he's 36, Johnny Goudreau, 10, 10 and a half million in three or four years, putting yourself in a tough situation cap-wise, you get a guy like Palat to come in. He may not generate as much points, but he's going to generate what they need. And it's $6 million a year, average contract. So um, that was a very big ad for the New Jersey Devils. They went uh, a little bit away from youth. They, they sort of they sent uh, Pavel Zaka away uh, for Eric Halla from Boston. And I think that's big because one thing this team needed was some depth uh, and their three and four lines. And that was a huge move for them because Zaka just hasn't panned out. And he may be the type of guy who just needs a new, uh, some new scenery. Um, the surprising one for me, which is, you know, ultimately something that they had to do was they moved Ty Smith, who's going to be a third year defenseman. He had a rough sophomore season. He had a very good rookie season. Uh, they moved him to Pittsburgh for Dan Marino. Now, or not Dan Marino, but for Marino. And Marino. I was going to say. That was a mistake. It was, a, you know, you say the name Marino. Sure. It just, uh, that's the name that pops in your head. And, um, you move him there, and he's not going to generate. Hang on one second. I'm sorry. It was John Marino. He's not going de- to generate uh, as much offense as maybe Ty Smith would later on in his career. 
uh, as, as he gets more and more used to the NHL. Ty Smith is actually a very good addition for a team like the Penguins. Um, it was a little surprising to see them move away from him. But they bring in Marino and they sure up their back end because, you know, they have a lot of young talent coming up through, you know, the, either whether it's guys they drafted who can move the puck from the back end and create offense from the back end. But they needed somebody who was responsible in their own end on that blue line. And Marino brings that. So it was a good move. He's got experience. He's got playoff experience. And honestly, as a Devils fan, you know, next year may not be the year. Um Per se, you know, if they let's put it this way, if they make the playoffs, that's a bonus. But we're not looking for next year. We're looking for this team to build uh, maybe one more offseason. And then 2024, they don't just go from a playoff contender. They go to serious contenders with what they're doing. If they keep moving in the direction that they're moving, you know, bringing Holla and Marino, uh, you just add depth, guys with experience. Um, guys who are going to do the gritty things. One of the guys who's a free agent, I mean, the Devils still have about $12.5 million in cap space. So one of the guys who's a free agent, I'd love to see them sign, is Dino Niederreiter. Um, he's very good on five-on-five five and on penalty kill, and he can play some power play too, and he's a gritty guy. He'll get down and do the gritty things. And with guys like Dawson Mercer and Jack Hughes, these young, talented players um, that you don't expect to get down, and that's not taking anything away from Mercer, his Mercer will get gritty, but you don't want him to have to. Um, you want that guy to be able to, um, you know, blossom offensively and be able to make the plays he's able to make. He was a big surprise for that team. Uh, I don't believe anyone thought he was actually going to make the team last year. You know, he's either going to be down in the minors or maybe another year in major junior. But uh, he had a very good camp last season, and they put him on the team, and he had a pretty good rookie season. So. A lot of excitement for the Devils. Um, again, a playoff berth would be, um, you know, a bonus. But uh, in the next following season, as long as they keep going, like I said, as long as they keep going the way they're going, um, maybe sure up between the pipes. I know they traded for Vanacek. That's kind of like uh, we'll see what happens with him. We'll see how he handles a, a full season um, being possibly the number one. I don't know if they're going to go one, a one B with him and Blackwood just roll the hot hand, which wouldn't be the worst thing, but Blackwood can't stay healthy. But I just really like what the devils did this off season. Um, as far as, you know, adding a little bit of size, adding a little bit of experience cause they were a young team. So moving away from young players can be difficult sometimes. Um, but I think in this case, it was the right move for a fan base that's hungry for a competitor because we got so used to, uh, just winning, you know, 95, 2000, 2003, uh, made a surprise run in 2011 to the cup finals. And, and since then it's just been, you know, we had that one year where Taylor Hall went off hard trophy winner. Um, but you know, one guy wasn't going to win you a playoff series. So it's a fan base. that's really hungry. We want, we want that winning tradition back. And it finally looks like management and ownership is, uh, taking the steps in the right direction i've heard talks um of possibly trying to get matthew kachuk uh who was the counter he was on the i believe he played the same line but he's one of the top scorers for the flames as well he's a restricted free agent and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to put in a good offer for him so there's been some talks about the devil's possible we making a uh, move for matthew kachuk which would be a great offensive addition to the team um, but it depends on what it's worth, in my opinion. Um, I'd really like to see them re-sign Jesper Bratt, who's a restricted free agent. I'd like them to put an offer in for him. Uh, he was one of the guys I've heard about 
um, possibly being involved in the deal. I'm not sure how happy I'd be about that. Um, but then I heard about Igor Sharangovich, which I say the guy, he's got a great shot, quick release, puts the puck in the back of the net, some timely you know, points in the game. But um, I'd be okay with that because the package also included a lot of draft picks. And I'm from the Lou Lamorello era where, you know, um, in hockey, to go from being not competitive to competitive, you need to be able to make the decisions to move draft picks. Uh, it's actually pretty big. So if you can, you know, move some of your picks to a team that's a competitor that's willing to take draft picks in return for players um, in hockey, when you're one of those bottom teams, that's something that you, you really want to take advantage of. So um, I'd love to see them move. I wouldn't care if they moved the first and a second round or even two first rounders uh, along with like a Sharon Govich. Uh, the other one I saw was impossibly trading Mercer, which I would hate that because I really like Mercer. And I really don't see them doing that. But the Sharon Govich for a couple high draft picks and maybe a third rounder in there, that's something I could, uh, I could live with uh, because Kachuk brings a lot offensively to the team. And, uh, you know, that's it. It's just, let's go Devils. Let's, let's, let's make ourselves competitive again. And another big thing that everybody keeps forgetting is last season, you know, you had Jack Hughes on pace for 90 points. He spent a lot of the season on the IR. He was hurt. Uh, Dougie Hamilton was a big free agent acquisition for them. They paid him a lot of money. They paid him a little bit of extra uh, because the Devils used to be a destination city. They knew you, you had a chance to win a championship, sort of like Tampa. You knew you had a chance to win a championship coming to New Jersey, so guys would take a little less money, maybe then from another team, to go to the Devils. Um, that didn't happen anymore. So you had to overpay Dougie Hamilton because when you have a player of that caliber on your roster, you then – you start to make yourself a destination city again and you have a little more value. Uh, you can get a guy like Andre Pilat to sign and come over and things like that. Um, so I'm just, I'm excited for what's to come. I'd like to see them stay healthy this upcoming year. And, um, you know, I feel like they would have been a lot more competitive this past season had they stayed healthy. So with the additions that we saw this off season, plus adding, um, some health to, to the lineup and, and guys being able to stay healthy. And believe it or not, bringing in bigger guys, um, grittier guys, helps a guy like Jack Hughes stay healthy because guys think twice about how hard they want to run them into the boards when they know there's going to be repercussions on the other end. And the Devils just didn't have that guy to do that. And that's why they're starting to bring those guys in. And if, like I said, if you make a playoff run, and you have a few veterans on your lineup that can guide those young guys to the differences between playoff hockey and regular season hockey. It can make all the difference. So um, Rangers had a very good free agent signing. Devils made some really good moves trade-wise in free agency. And then the Islanders sort of sat stagnant and didn't do much. So it's going to be interesting. Speaking of, though, there's one, there's, one thing, there's one thing I wanted to bring up Rangers-wise, though, because you did bring up Trocek they signed and I do I do agree with you I think that's a good signing um the one I wanted to bring up to you is the one that they lost that I saw which was kind of notable but at the same time probably understand why they lost him but I wonder how much you think it affects the team because do you think they're better or worse than they are I, I think they're better myself but I'll hear your opinion Strom Strom left for I believe a five-year deal where he signed, I think he was out west somewhere. 
Um, but I know he was a guy that the Rangers kind of relied on a little bit last season. And uh, I know he's going to be somewhat of a loss to them. So I just want to get your thoughts on Strom. So my, my thoughts there are basically like, um, you know, they had, they were playing Strom as that number two center role um, and you've upgraded, you know? So yeah, you lost Strom, but you've upgraded with Trocek. So what they gained outweighs what they lost. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But I just yeah, think it does. That, no, but that's what I was wondering. Is that what yeah. you thought? So with Trotrack and without Strom, uh, they're a better team. Now, if they kept Strom and had Trocheck, which I don't know that they were going to have the cap no, space to do it. I'm not no. really familiar with their cap. I don't space, think so. I don't think I don't think they would have because I think Strom so. ended up signing. I think it was like five five years or six years, and like I think like five or six million a year. Yeah, and it, you know, one thing about him is he's he's a good young player, but Trocheck just adds so much more. And you know, Strom was one of those centers who was struggling to win draws in the playoffs. I um, agree. That's where Trocheck's going to come in, and and he's really going to make a big difference if you can be above fifty percent in your draws, especially in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you now have a guy who you can put out situationally to take your face offs and and uh, win those big ones for you. And Sounds, that's huge. I, that's huge. I like hearing it. I like hearing it because, I mean, listen, any like you said, they, they didn't stay stagnant. They tried to make some moves and any moves to try to get the team in a better spot in the next year, uh, you know, I'm for. So, no, cool. Yeah, they definitely they definitely saw what their glaring weaknesses were uh, through the postseason. And, uh, you know, they definitely improved upon that because you got to be able to go into other buildings and win. And I know they did that against Pitt in game six, but again, I think that's a totally different game that sits there. So um, that's going to help them big because face up winning face offs on the road gives you possession kind of sucks the other team's fans out of it when you maintain possession. So as a bandage, has got some work to do in the, on the dot, but um, he's got a guy like, like Trocheck there who could probably give him some pointers. Uh, that's good. That's, you know, I don't know if you remember, but Travis Ajak way into his career was making like five, six million dollars a year. And the reason for that was he was upwards towards 60 percent faceoff wins. And it's just that's worth that money to some teams. Cool. Hello. No, you got me. Yeah, no, that answered my question. So I'm good. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm sorry about and no, I'm, anything on that, Dave? You got anything? I mean, he covered the Devils. That's all. That's all. The only place I was going to go. So, um, uh, actually, um, Colorado uh, didn't they lose uh, one or two of their players? They lost the most notable, would probably be between the pipes. They lost Kemper. Um, they did bring back Nachuskin, which was uh, a huge re-sign for them. Um, they lost somebody else in the name Burkowski, I believe they might have lost, which is a loss, but I think it was more important for them to sign the Shuskin. And then in losing Kemper, um, you know, Kemper's a good goalie. I always I argued with people until I was blue in the face when he signed with Colorado that he was underrated. He had a very good goals against average, very good save percentage behind a what some would call a subpar team. He carried those teams to a lot of wins. Um so when he went to Colorado, I thought it would be something good for them, something special with all their offensive power um, because he could, he did have the ability to steal games. So they lost Kemper between the pipes, but they gained uh, Gorgiev 
and with their ability to score goals and their speed um, and their defense, you know, it's going to give Gorgiev that time, I believe, to adjust to being a full-time starter because I think that's where his struggles left. And that's the Rangers' backup goalie that we talked about would uh, – who I thought was eventually going to move, who ended up being traded to Colorado. Um, so I think he's a good goalie. <clears throat> I think he struggles a little bit when, when he has to play a little more, um, a few more games, but that's something that with time can get better. Um, and, you know, the Rangers tried to play him a lot more leading up to the trade deadline last year. And the reason they didn't get their trade was because he didn't perform um, as they had hoped. So, that's going to be their biggest question mark is can he fill those shoes and steal a few games for him because they have the offensive power. They have a good blue line, um, but there's always the time when you need your goaltender to steal games, especially in the playoffs. So <clears throat> that was their big loss to me. Burkowski. Yeah, that's tough. Um, but I think. Hello. Should we lose them? Shuskin should have been the, the primary goal for them to keep around because of just what he did in the playoffs. I mean, he was just clutch. He was very cool. You hear me? Now we can. Yeah. We kind of lost you for a second there, but yeah. Oh, uh, so, yeah. So, like I said, Colorado, the big thing was between the pipes. So, um, you know, between the pipes and keeping the Shuskin just because of his, his clutch in the playoffs. I mean, he scored a lot of big goals for them to lead them to the cup. So, um, right now, if I had to make a pick, I would say possibly Toronto versus Colorado next year. But we got to see how everything shakes out a little more this summer before I'm ready to really nail that in. Mm. We won't hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Does anybody have anything else hockey-wise from Mr. Fife? Going once? Going twice? I'm satisfied. Satisfied, oh, Eric? There you go. All right. Glad I could satisfy you, Dave. Maybe. <laughs> Take it that way. That's why I said it. <laughs> All right. So we we will do this real quick here. We do this every year. We're going to start our preview for the 2022-2023 NFL season. Uh, we will start, we go division by division every year here. So we're going to start with the NFC West. And this is a division, it's kind of a tale of two divisions in a way, because you have the top tier where the Los Angeles Rams are coming back off of their Super Bowl victory over the Cincinnati Bengals, bringing Aaron Donald back Um Excuse me, Von Miller did leave for the Buffalo Bills. Odell Beckham tore his ACL in the Super Bowl, currently unsigned. But they still, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's really a question. They are the top team in this division. With Arizona, it's a question of whether or not Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury can actually close out a season. They always start out hot. We talked about this a lot last year. Fall off towards the end in San Francisco. Dave was the believer in San Francisco last season. The rest of us, not so much. Dave believed in them. They made it to the playoffs, beat the Cowboys in the first round there. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, they made it to the uh, NFC Championship game. And Are they – and lost they, to the – yes, lost to Dallas, the Rams. Yes. Huh? Dallas, they beat Dallas in Dallas, beat Green Bay in Green Bay, and then lost to the Rams in a close one. 
That is correct. Yes. Are they going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo? That is the big question heading into this season for them. Is Trey Lance going to be that week one starter? And then you got the Seahawks. What? Is that the biggest question, though? Because Debo Debo Samuel. That's correct. Yes, Debo Samuel. He trumps that. He trumps trumps Garoppolo, in my opinion. I don't know how the rest of you feel, but... No, I agree with that. Him and him wanting to go somewhere else, I think, really affects... San Fran more than Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Okay, you guys have proven I should have written this down beforehand. I apologize. Anyway, Seattle, Drew Locke, the starting quarterback. Yeah, they're the last team in this division without question. So with that, I throw it to you guys here. What do you guys see for this division? Um, I want the question answered first. What is going on with Debo Samuel? Is he holding out right now? Does anybody know what's happening with Debo? I want to start there with Debo before we go into predictions and whatnot. He's expected to show for training camp. So we'll, we'll know um, in basically a week. Yeah, a week from today. NBC Sports says that uh, they could be. Oh, Fife's going a little pixelated here. Um, yeah, we oh, sorry. Yeah, you hear me now? I can yeah, I can yeah. hear you now. Say what you say what you said uh, again. Um, NBC Sports is saying that they're they could be nearing an extension for Debo in San Fran. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing about an hour ago. I'm seeing a report here. This is from June seventh that Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa reported to the first day of San Francisco 49ers mandatory minicamp. So it doesn't look like a holdout situation because apparently he did show up for the okay. mini camps. They'll be All right, because that influences that influences how I'm going to pick or where I'm going to rank San Francisco. That's why I was very curious. Hmm? Oh, that's fair. That is fair. All right, Eric, why don't you start off with your preview of this division? Um, see, this division is pretty easy in my opinion because i think you're gonna end up somewhere where you ended up last year um with a lot of this division i think you're gonna end up with the Rams somewhere around 12 and 5 um i'm gonna say that i think i think arizona and (laughs) sam fran both are 10 and 7 both 10 and 7 and uh if you got to give the edge to one, I'm going to give the edge to San Fran. If you had to go with playoff seating wise, I'll go with San Fran with the better 10 and seven. Um, and then I think Seattle could be the most putrid team of the year. I think they could end up in more toilet bowls and in more shit shows than just about anybody. Um, and because of that, I, I mean, who do they have starting at QB right now? I mean, are I we think, honestly looking at Drew Locke? Because if we're looking at Drew Locke I think so. starting QB, I mean, listen, DK Metcalf has to be beside himself right now. He has to be, like, clawing at the walls, screaming every day, get me the hell out of this place. He can't even save them at this point. Nothing can save them. I'm going 4-13 and 13 for the Seattle Seahawks, and I think 4 could be generous. They could finish with something as low as like two. All right. 
So, Dave, you go right ahead. <laughs> You've been laughing this entire time. God, Seattle. Uh, that was great, Eric. That was... Uh, <laughs> um, look, I think it, it is definitely clear. That there's no reason to look at the Rams and not think they're the favorite in the division. Yeah, they lost Odell Beckham, but they added Allen Robinson, who, if we're being honest, is probably one of the most disrespected wide receivers in the league. Um, and they're also going to get back uh, Robert Woods from injury. Um, uh, I, correction: He signed with another yeah, team. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember yeah, yeah. who he signed with. No, but well, oh, sorry. yeah, didn't he get t- Tennessee? If I'm not mistaken, right? Isn't he with? Oh, I think you're Tennessee? right. I think that's right. And wasn't he? Wasn't he traded there? No. No, no, no. It was a free. It, I think it was a free agent signing. Okay, but yeah, I think he's with Tennessee. I yeah, could be traded. wrong. Fact check. No, it's Tennessee. I'm looking Tennessee. it up right now. Yep. Traded to Tennessee, but. You had Allen Robinson. You had Bobby Wagner um, on the defensive side. Now, I know Bobby's getting old, but Bobby's still one of the best inside linebackers in the league. Um, still they, got Ramsey. Still got Donald. You, you, they are the definition of a team that just literally doesn't care. Like, they play – they run their team like you would run a team in Madden. They basically shut salary cap off. They make any trade possible – uh, they sign whoever the hell they want to sign. Um, they, they're, you know, they, they did lose um, Andrew Whitworth to retirement, who is, you know, probably still would be one of the better tackles in the league if he played this year. Um, so that that is a big loss. But I, I just think you look at this team and the biggest question mark with them is can they rely, can they remember that running the ball helps them win games? Um, they ran the ball a lot more during the playoffs and it really helped them uh, and really made a difference in how, in how they played. So um, I think that's huge, but that losing Andrew Whitworth is going to be interesting, um, but they do have a good backup because Whitworth did get injured during the season played pretty well. So I think the Rams are your clear favorite. Um, I think San Francisco is your second best team in the league. Um, I don't, think jimmy g gets traded uh i do think there's more of a commitment to packages that involve trey lance um the only way i think jimmy g actually gets traded is if there's a big injury at quarterback for a team that thinks they compete uh but i think you got san francisco coming in next are we doing records right now eric threw out records for everybody mike you You can do you can do records. I started writing down my records. By the way, everybody keep track of your records. I'm keeping track of mine. Oh, I, I literally. Uh, if I need to, I'll go back and look, listen to the podcast. No, I feel the need to say that because I feel like in past years, you guys have thought that I was keeping track of the records. I keep track of I, mine. I'm sorry. I literally always thought you kept track of that. I might have done it the first couple of years. I know I stopped doing it last year. I don't remember. I don't remember if I did it years. I, I don't remember how long I did it. I just know the last couple. I haven't been keeping track. All good, my friend. I mean, considering we don't do this based off the of schedule, our win loss records really—they <laughs> really. Much. It's it's our game picks every week that really matter. But right on, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Those yeah. I keep track of. Yes. Yeah, I think you're looking at the Rams at uh, at 12, uh, twelve and five. Um, so I'm with Eric there. 
I'm with Eric on the 49ers, the 10 and 7. Um, the Cardinals, though, I feel they proved to me they can win in the back half of the season. Like, the Cardinals to me would be a team where if they started the year like three and four or two and five, I'd go put $100 down on them winning the Super Bowl because it'd be like, all right, we're finally flipping the script. Let's start the year bad and then finish. Um, so I got the Cardinals at uh, eight, nine. And then I got the Seahawks. Eric said it perfectly. There's nothing I need to say about the Seahawks. I've got them at four and 13. Mm. Okay. We got pretty similar records here, and the only thing I really feel the need to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a hot take. Uh, the, if the Seahawks are really starting a season with Drew Locke, there was no reason for them not to be the team to take the chance on Colin Kaepernick, because if that's the guy you're starting out with, what's the harm in bringing in Colin Kaepernick as a flyer? Just do he's it. He's not you know? any good. He's, he's Neither is Drew Lock. Neither is Drew Lock. Take a chance. Fair enough. Drew Lock's been in for the last four years. He, we are all Drew predicting Locke them to be four and thirteen. The headache of a four and thirteen season. The headache of a four and thirteen season. Take the flyer. Take the flyer. Take the chance. Take the chance. Grow some balls and take the chance. Why bring the circus to town? It doesn't Because you're sense. already a freaking Why? circus at four and thirteen because you, you traded away you Russell Wilson. Wilson. You're not yeah, you're you a are. rebuilding team at four and thirteen. You're a rebuilding Take the chance. Team Take the chance. Nobody gives a shit about. People Take the would chance. give a shit about Ta- Kaepernick starting, and you would have a fucking media circus. Take and the chance. Nobody wants it. He's blackballed. He's he's out. Take the chance. That's all I'm saying. They should have been the ones to do it. Garbage. They sh- Listen, right, Dave, I, nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with nothing wrong with the green. No, there's nothing wrong with the green. You disagree. They should have been the ones to take the chance. You're not talking me out of it, but go ahead, Fife. I mean, I disagree with that 100%, and that's just my take on it. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't think it, he's been throwing footballs on college practice fields for six years. Like, it's over, man. They give it up. Give it a rest. No, no reason to take a chance on the guy. Um, so that's just my opinion on old Cap. But I think that that division is going to be a little. It's going to be tight at the top. I think. Um, I'm going to go with 11 and six for the Rams. I feel like they have a couple of teams. They're going to get everybody's best this year. I'm not saying they didn't get everybody's best last year, but everybody's going to get themselves up for the Rams, and they got to play teams like the Bills, and they got to play. You know, out of division, they got to play the Bucks, who are who have a, you know, a vendetta to settle against them. Um, so I'm going to go uh, 11 and six for them, which isn't too far off from 12 and five. It's only one extra loss, but uh, they also play the Chargers this year. So I just think they have the NFC West has a difficult schedule. Um, so we're going to go 11 and six for the Rams, um, which moves me to the Niners. Um, I can stick. I can go with ten and seven. I think it's going to be a tight division. I think the top spot for that division is going to come down to the last couple of weeks. And then, as far as the Cardinals, to me, or the Cardinals are the hardest division team to pick in that division, just because of the inconsistency from one half of the season to the next. Um, I'm. Eric has kind of sold me on Cliff's King, Cliff Kingsbury just not being able to put together a full season. 
Um, so I'm going to go with all that talent. They're going to be a major disappointment. Go nine and eight. And then the Seahawks. Um, Jesus. Uh, if they weren't in the division, maybe they'd have a chance. I'll tell you to what, if you, like Jimmy G. Fife, can you agree with me that they will probably be in more toilet bowls and shit shows than any other team this year? Because I well, really you know, think that they could be a fucking leader for, for most. The, the shit show generally is, uh, you know, and I'd have to talk to my buddy Larry about it, but I'm pretty sure he bases it off of just games that he thinks are going to have a lot of turnovers. And uh, with Drew Locke at the helm, there's a very good chance – um, that they end up in some shit shows. Very good chance. Um, we would try and mix it up a little bit here, me and Larry, as far as that goes. You know, because we discuss it throughout the week. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty intense discussion. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, a lot of chair know, be, a lot of chairs being thrown around? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like liar, liar, bathroom scene, like I told you There you, you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean – if they win four, I'll be surprised. Um, so I'm going to, since you guys both said, what, four and uh, 13? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say three and 14, just to be different. Mm. Okay. I, I feel like they're like the epitome of of uh, lose for a draft pick. They're the epitome of what we saw with the Miami Dolphins when they were as terrible as they were. Dude, they are when tanking the Browns were so terrible. hard this year. Because there yeah. are a couple quarterbacks sure. coming out next year that people actually want and want back. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why this I, is it, this is a good year to tank if you're going to tank and need that need that franchise QB. And 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 bringing Drew Lock in as your starter is not even writing on the wall. It's like this is what we're doing, league. You know, <laughs> and uh, poor DK Metcalf. <laughs> and the big thing to me is um, Tyler Lockett's fantasy value should plummet. Um, because I believe he relied on the fact that Russell could extend plays and Tyler was really good at getting open downfield um, and all that. But to Dave, to a point that Dave made to go back to the Rams about Allen Robinson, I think that's a great addition. The way you described them as, as one of the more underrated, disrespected receivers in the league, they probably have now two of the most polished route runners in the league between Robinson and Cup on that roster. So what they lose at tackle, I feel like they're going to be able to make up for with their downfield route running because you can get offensive linemen out of trouble with good downfield route running. Um, so, you know, those five yard routes, those seven yard routes, those eight yard routes, they're just going to be big for that team, uh, especially with a guy like Robinson and they're going to get people to focus on Robinson and then they're going to hit him over the top Cooper cut with a little hitch and go or whatever he does to shake people out of their pants. So it's going to be fun to watch. I just feel like that vendetta that people are going to have um, wanting to beat the Super Bowl champs uh, is going to end losing their tackle. Could be a bit of an adjustment. It's going to just result in maybe one more loss, <clears throat> possibly two. So, I mean, I see it as a pretty tight division uh, as far as the top three teams because Arizona always has that chance to be better than one game over 500. But it's all going to depend on old Cliff and – and, uh, you know, they had that drama going into the offseason with Kyler deleting everything about the Cardinals. And so it's going to be – it's t- It's always – that's probably one of the tougher teams in the league to call, in my opinion, as far as what they're going to be going into the next year. So mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. Okay. 
Now, I want to know uh, two things. First of all, I stand by my previous statements. And um, the fact that uh, Fife brought up Tyler Lockett and DJ Metcalf, two guys who showed up on that college field with a certain person I'm not going to say again. Uh, I stand by the previous statement. Anyway, I, yeah, I want to know. Good, he, they would have went back and said, hey, we really should sign this guy. But they you don't know that they didn't say that. But anyway, um, that's not the point. Uh, The point is, I want it known. I wrote down all these predictions at the beginning of this whole segment here. I literally wrote down my Seahawks record mere seconds before Eric said his. I say that because I'm going last, so it's going to look like I'm copying off of you guys. No, I wrote these down before anybody started with records. Um, I'm going to say one thing about the Rams here. We're all picking them for first place in the division, and I absolutely agree with that. I put them at 11 and 6 just because when I do these records, I kind of temper expectations a little bit here. Um, Van Jefferson is a guy I'm a fan of at wide receiver. You guys have talked about Allen Robinson. Cooper Cup had the best year for a wide receiver statistically in history last year. Van Jefferson, I think, is going to take a big step forward if Odell does not come back to them. So uh, them at 11 and 6. San Francisco, I put at 10 and 7. If, if they don't trade Garoppolo, they have to start him. I'm not convinced Trey Lance should be the starter on the team, but I go with them at 10 and 7. Uh, Dave, you were 100% right about them in terms of the defense last season, so I definitely think that's going to be their power this year. And like we said at the beginning of this, if Debo's not holding out, if he's going to keep, if he wants to be traded, but he's going to keep giving 100% when he's on the field, yeah, give them 10 and 7. They're dangerous. Arizona at 9 and 8. Let's just see what happens. I kind of hope Kyler can put it together for an entire season because in the first half, the dude looks like the best quarterback on the planet, and then he just falls off a cliff or gets hurt. So I'm rooting for him, and what more do we need to say about Seattle 4-13? and 13. Like I said, I wrote it down first. <laughs> so there you go. Anybody got anything else they want to throw in here? Mike, it's not about who wrote it down first. It's about who said it on air first. I know. That's why I said it to begin with. I just want to point out that uh, you had mentioned Kyler Murray falling off the cliff, and uh, I probably wasn't pun intended or anything like that. No, I I got the pun as soon as you said it. Yes, okay, fair enough. There was no pun intended, but you brought it up and you're right. I agree with you. Cliff's penis. (laughs) Thank you, Eric, for going that extra mile. (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we're done with football here does anybody have anything else sports wise they would like to bring up tonight um the live golf tournament's coming to trump's bedminster course okay we talk live uh and uh i only know this because um janice does work down in that area and uh, she's already heard of some people wanting to like protest it and protest the event um so yeah it's we're, uh, we're out of we're out of control with protests in this country yeah so either way though i just thought that was interesting and uh you know that's that's about all i got for you guys no um other sports wise anyway mm. dave uh no i'm good okay five 
just wanted to say that I am not going to be playing in this evening's game, but Team Red is coming off the bye week uh, after a loss two weeks ago. I just want to wish them good luck. I had a uh, had a tooth pulled yesterday, and the dentist recommended that I do not play, which is uh, weird to me because, you know, no teeth, hockey, supposed to go hand in hand, but uh, I guess I'm mm. not, you know, young anymore. So he said uh, the extra pressure and exertion could cause the wound to open a little bit. So uh, I'm sitting out, so I'm hoping the best for my boys, and I'll be back with them next week. There you go. I go saw Team fr- Red. Go Team Red, yes. I saw a friend of mine I hadn't seen in 10 years, and he had no teeth. And I was just, I was happy to see him, but all I could think in the back of my head, I don't want to say this because you brought your kids in the store. God damn it, you have no teeth. What happened to your teeth? That's all I could think of the entire 10 minutes he was there. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, it was a molar that I had pulled, so you can't see it. You know? That's good. That's good. I'm my all, teeth is didn't tell him about the show and he should listen tonight. Yeah, I probably I again I was too distracted by the fact that you have no teeth. So I didn't I didn't think about that. I'm sorry. Any uh, wait a minute. No, it did come up actually cuz I brought up that I do a podcast. He said he had seen the updates on Facebook and his daughter asked me about it. His daughter is made me feel old because he had the kid after I met him. And I just realized, holy shit, I'm going to be Imagine Freddy next Imagine she's year. listening right now, hearing you talk about her. Oh, she was a lovely girl, but she made me feel very old. That's all I'm saying. Nothing against her. She was she was nice and everything, but God damn it, just made me feel old. Anyway, um, yeah. You all will be 40 soon, too. I just happen to be the one taking the plunge first. Anyway. Um, oh, another thing sports related. Go ahead. Uh, my son is 16 months old, and he can catch a football better than most of the New York football giants. Congratulations! That's awesome. <laughs> Not no, so by good. The way, the... No, one thing I'll bring up sports related wise. Did you see some of the ridiculous Madden ratings coming out? Like, I, listen, I get it. Miles Garrett's a very good defensive player. He does not deserve a 99 rating on Madden. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, to me, it's just a bit absurd. Then I, I think there's a couple wide receivers I was looking at on the list. I'm like, how in the hell? Like, they like Tyler Boyd, like a 96. Like, how the fuck you is know, Tyler Boyd got a 96 when, like, they didn't even have Jamar Chase on the list? And he yeah, wasn't well, even here, a, 90, a 90 plus. I was like, what the fuck are they doing with this game? I'll tell you, I think what happened was um, they watered down because their ratings used to be pretty serious. And I think they watered it down because all the guys bitching and moaning. And it might have been pad press for the game. I don't know. But I know a lot of players used to come out and cry about their Madden rating. And it seems as if they've watered down some of the ratings. That's all I'll say about that. I mean, all that needs to be said is I, I don't pay attention to ratings. But John Madden's going to be on the cover this year. And God bless him. Anyway, um, I... I don't know how much longer we want to keep this going here because I know everybody's probably got other things to do. Um, we'll move. One thing I want to bring up. Is everybody caught up on Miss Marvel? Say that real quick. Real Go ahead. Quick. Go ahead. John Madden is one of the autographs that I'm actually seeking. Like, I really want John Madden's autograph. Like, I would like to, like, just in my collection, I don't have a very big collection of autograph things. I'm not, like, you know, I like certain things. I got LT. I got a couple people. But, like... 
John Madden is a like something I I, w- I would love like a signed John Madden something, whether it be a Raiders helmet, a football, or even a Madden video game itself. Like that's something I'm gonna seek out older when I'm older in life. That that's on the mm. wish list. I'm just gonna throw that out. Be careful when you do like that, that with the whole authenticity thing. Yeah, I know it's much harder now, especially since he's passed away. But at the same time, but do it. I'm gonna do it right and. Uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when it happens, but at the same time, it is something that as I get older in life, like it is something I would like to have. I, I'm just gonna say take care of it because when I was 13, I got Brett the Hitman Hearts autograph. It was one of my prized possessions, and a few months ago I discovered that the autograph disintegrated under a bunch of dust and shit. So just take care of it when you get it. That's all I'm gonna say, because I was heartbroken when that happened. Dave, um, as a, a fellow Mad Knight, because I know you play the game at least every other year, if I remember correctly, you get the game. Um, it was 96, right? Or 90, 96 was the last time John was on the cover? Um, earlier than that, actually. Was it 95? 94. 90, it was a, I know he was on in 94. In 94, I remember specifically. I, I like 94 a lot. Um, I actually think that Good might year. be last year he was ever on the cover okay i'm trying looking, to remember which one it was looking it up was what super nintendo right and i believe that was the one where like you could have that one play where it looks like the guy's on like a skate and he, like just zooms Sega. down the field oh the spin move <laughs> where Dave you could Meg, do like a 99 yard play like move. every time with like a certain with like a certain run play yeah it was, you, uh, i remember the pitch yeah and you broke it and like you just went yeah yeah but i remember 94 i didn't play a ton of madden like i i knew the madden games would play friend's house or whatever but like i had super nintendo till i was in high school where i upgraded myself to an n64 and had an n64 through college and then had a Wii sometime after that. And th- those are the only gaming consoles I've ever owned. So, like, I'm not, especially as the game evolved and got much better graphics-wise and everything, uh, I-, I wasn't playing as much. But I still appreciated it and still appreciated the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Madden, definitely a guy I still want to – I would like to get a, a piece of memorabilia for him. I remember Good luck, back Jed. in the day – uh, Dave Meggett on punt returns was like just hit the spin move and he would just spin, 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 spin all the way up. I remember that for sure. See, my problem and the reason why I had to stop playing those games, I get too lost in the franchise mode where you're playing the front office and everything. And I will literally spend like five hours just building my freaking super team. And I feel just... like that was what, 95 or 96 when the franchise mode came in? Oh, I have no idea. But I, I feel looked like up. It was like '96 when it was like first time. It was like franchise mode, and it was like you know you could make trades or do whatever. Like you could actually like make your own well, roster. So, so I, I let me just throw this in real quick, Fife. Oh, I yeah, looked up. No, it's cool. I looked up in terms of covers. John Madden was on the cover until 1999. Was the last year he was on the cover with Barry Sanders in the background. Dorsey Levins of the Packers in the European PAL version, whatever the hell that is. 2000 was the first year he was not on the cover. It was Eddie George. Go ahead, Fife. I was going to say you brought up franchise mode. Uh, Eric's buddy and I, Carl, uh, what we do is we 
pick a team that's not the Giants. One of us takes the NFC, the other one takes the AFC, and uh, we do franchise mode and uh, hope to meet in the Super Bowl. So uh, it's pretty cool. You can do that online and stuff. So uh, we do that. And then, you know, every four seasons we play against each other. I think the one year we went like 15 seasons in to where like everybody on your team is even an actual guy. It's just some computer generated draft guy and you build them all up and you do all that stuff. uh, So just wanted to drop that in there. We do that for franchise mode. Uh, And then we switch. I think last year I was the NFC. I took the Niners. And he was the AFC, so the next season coming up, when he gets it, because I always get it right when it comes out, I will be the AFC and he will be the NFC. That's cool. All right, I tell you what, I think we'll save the TV show stuff for next week. I'll go ahead. Five, you got a PlayStation or Xbox? I got PS5. Oh, wow, you're ahead. I'm on PS4 still. I was going to say, I'll join that franchise. Actually, we do it on PS4 because he still has I have both PS4 and PS5. So we do it on PS4 because that's what he has. And that for some reason, NHL, I could download the PS4 version of NHL onto my PS5, but I couldn't do it with my with Madden. So I ended up keeping the PS4. And then the two games were so different, like believe it or not, between PS4 and PS5, that in order to stay competitive, I had to stop playing my one on PS5 and just play Madden on PS4. This is way more difficult on PS5. Like, franchise mode is hard, dude. Like, I used to be able to pick the Giants every year and eventually go on to win the Super Bowl. And the PS5, like, they've they've made some great adjustments to where, like, you need to actually build a legitimate team to, to make it. Interesting. Hmm. All I have to say to Mike is I know where he wants to go next, and he doesn't feel like he has enough time, but we have to let him get it in because – I think it excites more than Mike more than anything to talk about. Um, you're going to be surprised. You're going to be surprised. Um, Dave, did you get caught up on Miss Marvel? Yep, I'm all caught up, Mike. You're safe. Okay. I have Thank not you. watched it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna head out uh, on that note because I do not I have not watched that, and I might one day. So I'm we'll head out on that note. All I'm gonna say, like I said last week. Watch the old man on FX, and and if you stop watching Animal Kingdom, get back into it because it's the last season of it, and it's been great. That's all I'm cool. gonna say, and I'm gonna try and miss any uh, spoilers. But then when Karate Kid does come out in a couple months, I will be there for all of it. Cobra Kai, couple months, like a month, month and a half, right? Something oh, like I think it's, 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 uh, it's September, September, right? I think beginning of September. And then I don't know if you're going to have – I think you might be interested in another show coming out uh, next month, Five, that maybe you'll get into to start. Um, but She-Hulk on Disney Plus starts, I think, August 17th. So I don't know if you're into she Oh, is that official? Myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the Hulk myself. So, like, I'm just interested in the Hulk. But, you know, She-Hulk, I'll take it, I guess, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, it's the next one coming on Disney Plus starts in August. Yeah, all those comic – book ones they kind of lost me because i used to watch the dc ones or whatever it was on on netflix like religiously because i got brought in by daredevil and then i just watched the other ones to kind of tie it all together that's the that's punisher, marvel yeah oh, my bad once the punisher yeah, it is marvel oh, my bad but once the punisher um was done and they didn't do it like you know i don't know 
I just they lost me. I haven't watched one since. Wait a minute, you didn't like Punisher? Punisher's I awesome. I loved it, but because it was done, and that was the one kind of keeping me going. Ah, okay. You know, the other ones fell off a little bit, in my opinion. So once the Punisher was done with and, and over, um, the only way they'll bring me back into the Marvel world is if they bring my Punisher back. <laughs> yeah, that's the big question. Did you watch Daredevil season three? Because that's the I only one that. All right, good. Those are the only two that held up through the whole time. Like me and Dave talked about Jessica Jones. I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the second season. Third season was okay. Luke Cage, yeah, second season. I didn't like the way it ended, and, and forget I, Iron I, Fist. Yeah, yeah, it was just cheesy. The guy who they had the the um, what's his name, Justin Timberlake lookalike that they had doing that <laughs> was just cheesy. Yeah. It got a little better as it went on. I watched a little bit of that, but um, went, I was watching the uh, the ones that were on. What was it like, My Nine or whatever? Or the Arrow? I was watching all that. Stuff. Oh, that's the DC. DC. Stuff that's DC. Too. Yeah, but then mm. that that all got very cheesy too. Like it, the Arrow started out like badass, and then eventually just turned into a cheese fest, as Eric would put it. Mm. Um, I, so I really lost me on all those. Give me too. all the cheese. Yeah. But that'll bring us back to Cobra Kai, which comes out in September. Yes. Which I can't wait for. Absolutely. Which is, which is a good cheese fest. Yeah, we got we to gotta do something before Cobra Kai because we never got the chance to do it with Eric there after the show came out. So we got to do something with that. We will. All right. Yep. All right, boys. Stay sweaty. Have a All good right. one. Good luck to the Red Machine. Talk to you guys later. All right. Eric Pfeiffer, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. All right, so we'll talk about Miss Marvel, and we'll talk about the season finale here. And I'll say this. For about the first 35 minutes of that, I thought that was the best season finale of any show they have done on Disney+. And then that moment that you brought up, Eric, they used the word mutation for the first time. And I didn't, I, I'm listening, I'm watching Mike this. I'm like, wait a minute. In his pants. I didn't actually, I didn't. Um, <laughs> because here's the thing. I was watching this on my laptop. I wasn't watching this on my, my big TV. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I had to go back and listen to that. What pissed me off, they say mutation for the first time should have been this big momentous occasion. The first use of any iteration of the word mutant. And it's a 30-second throwaway line that isn't even acknowledged after those 30 seconds. That bothered me. You guys know how I feel about the X-Men. guys know how I feel about them coming in. You had the opportunity to have Wanda be the first one to say that word in a reverse House of M-like thing. You didn't do that. You use the word mutation as a throwaway line. That bothered me. And again, I if I would have heard if I would have heard the music, maybe I would have thought differently. All I was thinking was, how do you fuck that up? Because that should have been a big moment, and it was a throwaway line, and that bothers me. You guys can talk. Hmm. Um, yes, yeah. Go ahead, Dave, you go first. I, was saying, I think music, you would have appreciated the way they did it. I thought they did it perfectly. It's a nice little teaser. It's a perfect example of how Marvel does what they do. 
and they just kind of dropped a little hint where run-of-the-mill fans have absolutely no clue why that matters or why people care. Where diehard fans know exactly what that meant, everything that brought to the table, the throwback with the music. Uh, I'm telling you, Mike, you 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 shot yourself in the foot on this one. You're you're angry, and the only person to blame is you. Okay. Well, that's happened before. So again, I am old and wise right now, so I'm okay with that. But um, I will say, as a series, though overall, um enjoy Kamala Khan, I guess, as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, don't mind seeing more of her in the future. But I don't know if I really needed this series. If that makes sense. Like, I I, I, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of like, eh. Like, I am about most series right now. I'm like, eh. And that, Listen, overall... It's not hitting me the way they should. Hmm. Overall, I like the series, and again, I thought this finale before that was one of the best ones they've done, if not the best one they've done, truthfully. Because I just, I just, to me, the family stuff they did in this series was like the, some of the highlights of the series to me. I like her. I'm, I, I want to see more of her because she's a great actress. She handled it perfectly. I don't think anybody else could have handled it per, uh, the way that she did. And you guys know, like, um, her audition was done during the pandemic, so she didn't actually get to meet these people in person, the decision makers and everything. They did it over a Zoom room. So for her to get it through that and for us to feel the way we do about her as an actress, like, she, I can't wait to see more of her as an actress because she's fantastic. And seeing her as Kamala Khan, like, I'm looking forward to that. Did we need it? Like, do we really need any of these? We want these because we like comic No, book but stuff. what happened to Marvel not, like, see, but the, here's the problem I have with Marvel, and I want to see if you guys agree with me, is we went into these TV shows thinking they were one-offs, so you didn't have to necessarily, like, the TV shows are the TV shows, but even if you didn't watch them, you could still follow along with each of the movies, with every show that goes past now, it's harder and harder to do that. Like, you actually have to watch WandaVision to really understand a lot of multiverse of madness, in my opinion. And understand how broken Wanda is and why she is the way she is. Without that backstory, I, I don't know if that story hits. Like, I, I really don't. So, I mean, you look at it and, and you look at uh, uh, any of this stuff. I mean... I think that, you know, you need to have, like, now with this, like, with the word mutation coming out in this show. So now if you didn't watch Miss Marvel and you don't know about this, then, like, what? Like, I don't know. What do you do? Well, like, like, now all of a sudden you're surprised when later on mutants are introduced. You're like, wait a second. I never knew mutants are here. And they're like, oh, you didn't see Miss Marvel when they said mutations and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's almost like the shows are becoming a prerequisite now. And I don't really feel like they should have to be because, you know, yes, I understand it's one big shared universe and I understand all that. But, I mean, they're making some pretty big plot points here. I kind of agree with Mike in a way that, like, and it's hard because I understand where Dave's coming from. The way they did it was really well done and really nice. And I do think it was nuanced. I do think it was a nice Easter egg for people. I just agree with Mike in the sense that I don't think that Easter egg should have came in this show. 
No. If you want to tell yes. me that that happened in Thor Love and Thunder, you want to tell me that happened from Wanda saying it Multiverse of Madness in a post-credit scene or something else happening, I could get that. Hmm. Well, this, I, I'm like, okay. I just have a little harder time getting to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's just me. I don't know. I'm going to I'm, I'm let Dave answer it, but what I will say is, when Feige first announced these Disney Plus shows, he did say that these shows would tie into the movies. So I, I, I don't know if you remember that, but he did say that from yeah, the beginning. Yeah, but he also, he also said that it won't be necessary to have seen the shows to enjoy the movies and understand the movies, where that's really not true. Like, you need to watch the shows. So, like, pretty much you need to invest four hours of your time into watching WandaVision before you watch Multiverse of Madness to really get it the way you should. It's not like it was a bad show, though. WandaVision was a good show. No, but you shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to watch four hours of prerequisite just to be able to understand the movie I want to go see. Mm. That's just just my thought. That's a little Mm. complaint I have. Dave, what do you say? Oh, Dave. Um, like you mentioned, like I, I knew going into this that the shows were tied to the universe and there'd be little moments that like would tie into the overall bigger picture of what they're doing. With that said, like it if you remember back when the first Marvel movies were coming out, like we didn't really actually realize all of this was tying into the Avengers until we were a couple movies in. And I think that they're, they don't want to play the exact same hand they played in their first, you know, set of movies and what built this universe. But like the shows are like little teasers in between the movies to try and keep you engaged and all that. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I think they're all, these movie shows are also trial and error. Like I think the shows that do really well, they're going to try and do a second season. The shows that don't do well, they're like, okay, let's, we'll, we'll change but our I- strategy. But, yeah, but I, I just have a problem with some of these huge Easter eggs in some of these shows. Though. Like, that's like the level of Easter egg of saying mutant for the first time is is monster. What yeah. they're hearing and some of the what the one leaked thing I've heard so far about She-Hulk, I don't know if it's true or not. Nobody can verify if it's true or not. But if it's true, it's another monster-sized Easter egg. You know, you know, of fantastical proportions that's going to be linked ah. to a TV show. And if I, you link it, I, and it, what was that, Dave? I, I've heard the same rumor. I know what you're talking about. I like. I haven't. Dave. I haven't heard that yet. Go ahead, Dave. That was very well done, Eric. You you did a very good job of <laughs> giving something. I, I really but, tried there because again, I'm not yeah. trying to be that. No, that guy. was like, good. I wish I kind of didn't see, it, and I kind of really hope it's not true, because to me, the f- first time we get that, I really don't want it to be in some side little throwaway thing, in, you know, a She-Hulk series. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that's to me where like I just, I feel like some of those moments just deserve a little bigger stage, and that's where I'm with Mike. I really feel like. It would have hit harder and hit better if they would have found a way for Wanda to say that. Should have been um, her. In, in Multiverse of Madness, and, and it didn't happen that way. 
And I really hope that they, the She-Hulk thing isn't what I think it is. And maybe they hold it off for a post-credit scene and say, uh, I forget what movie of theirs coming out next. Do they have anything coming out the rest of the year, actually? Black Marvel? Panther yeah. 2, I think. Maybe at the end of Black Panther 2, if you want a post-credit scene, something there. I'm totally for that. I just think it'd be a little weird to, to kind of shoehorn it into a shield. Did you at least like the post-credit scene for Miss Marvel? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's going to tie directly... Again, that's another thing. It's going to tie directly into the movie. I honestly... The, the only thing I wish they did with that post-credit scene was show Carol Danvers run down the stairs and have Kamala Khan's parents look at her and be like... Like, just have that, like, confused, lost look of what the fuck. And, like, that, to me, would have been the perfect way to end that post-credit mm. scene. Like, yeah. I think that's a little shorter than they should have. Because, obviously, like... I mean, it's Captain Marvel. Like, she could have just flown out the freaking window, but instead she literally beelined right to the door. So, like, if you're going to have her do that, like, I mean, come on. Like, at least let us see her come down the stairs and have Kamala's parents look at her with literally the most confused face in the world. Like, I think that would have been the more perf perfect ending, but I like the post credit scene. Look, I agree. Is there a better uh, moment to drop the mutant line? Yes, because we've all... Since the second Disney bought Fox, we've all been waiting for, for the X-Men to get introduced. But I also don't know if Marvel's going to go the full-blown X-Men title. Um, I think you could see more of almost like X-Force. Uh, we you know, we kind of got introduced to that with Deadpool. Um, but either way, I thought the show all in all was okay. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I literally, when the when the series ended, I felt the same way I felt after the first couple episodes. I'm like, yeah, I, I want to see what's happening, and I, this is entertaining enough that I'm going to watch it, but also if this wasn't a part of my life and it never existed, I wouldn't feel like I, I missed out on anything. But when she dropped the Bigum line, I mean... What line? When she... Uh, Bigum, that's her, that's her, like, phrase. So, like, in her comic books, her big phrase, her phrase is Bigum, and that's when she grows really large. So in that end fight scene, oh, wow. she puts her fist into the ground, she's like Bigum, and she gets really big, and you know, blah blah blah. So like that was really cool because that's that's like her go-to line in the comics is she gets really big. Also, if you ever read the comics, she's already a, a she's not even a mutant; she's um, inhuman, inhuman, and like. That's she doesn't get her power from the, the bracelet, her power is in her genes. So, like, that is something they did different compared to the comic. But either way, I, I all in all, the show was okay, didn't hate it, didn't love it. I enjoyed it, I was entertained. They could have used a different, a better platform to drop the say mutant for the first time. I won't argue at all that I think Wanda saying it would have been like, I don't mm. know where you would have fit it into to Multiverse of Madness. Like, I don't know where you would have fit that line into it, the way the story was written. Um, but yeah, that would have been a better place to drop it. I agree. It, it deserved a bigger, bigger platform. Um, and like Eric kind of teased with what might come in She-Hulk, again, it, one of them got introduced already. And if you're going to introduce them, I think they deserve a bigger platform. But then again, the way they, they've done that family, it's been Can shit every single movie I've watched, so maybe Marvel saying, screw it, we're going to do it one by one and, and see if we can, you know, piece this together in a more entertaining way. Let me, let me say, say real quick, wait. shout out to Eric Boss and New Rockstars because they came up with a theory, I just want to throw you guys real quick, about Wanda 
And I think maybe it could be a setup for her later to still have that reverse line we were talking about, you were talking about before, Mike, um, and still set up part of that house down because apparently a theory they came out with is that she's not really dead. She got dragged to hell. We do know hell is another dimension yeah. out there. And then also, too, that when Doctor Strange was, he had all the demons around him. He had originally 13 demons. Well, when they surrounded Wanda and broke away from Wanda, there was only 11 that broke away and two ended up still inside of Wanda's eye. Those two, if she gets dragged down to hell, couple that with the Mephisto in the comics, he uses two shards of himself to pretty much birth Wanda's kids. Could they be going that kind of storyline if she dragged two demons down with her? She goes down to hell. Mephisto kind of brings your kids up for her. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking outside the box. But if something new rock stars came up with, those guys usually, I mean, they, they find every freaking Easter egg and everything in every one of these damn product, uh, properties. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought it was an interesting idea and a way to kind of bring her kids in. I, I don't know. It's interesting. The one thing I want to throw in, my disappointment with um, the way they did the, the mutation and everything aside, it's kind of, to me, it makes sense that they would throw big Easter eggs on these TV shows because how else are you going to get people to watch them? It's, unfortunately, Disney's going to rule everything sooner or later. It's a business decision. You have to do it to keep the, the mouse happy. So I get that. I understand that. I don't hate that part. I just think this one wasn't done correctly. What do you say, Dave? Uh, look, I, I mean, really, it's going to be one of those moments for hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm. You know, based off of how how everything unfolds and how everything works out, this might have been the perfect moment to do it. Uh, you know, what I mean, and and like like we've all said numerous times. Until Marvel genuinely lets me down, I'm going to continue to keep faith in Marvel. Mm-hmm. What do you think about his uh, the the new rock stars theory that Dave uh, Eric brought up? I apparently missed that. <laughs> oh, trust me, I missed it. That's why I had to shout out like new rock stars and those guys. I mean, those I watched some of those Easter egg videos and like things you might have missed videos. So, again, I can't catch everything while you know through one pass of watching something. They comb this shit and they they come up with some some good stuff, man. But uh, yeah, it was just something that they kind of pointed out where I was like, well, that's interesting. Why would they specifically leave to inside her? Like it just I don't know. Could like I said, it could be that long game that that Marvel likes to play. So it just seemed weird. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I mean, I I, I, oh, I did get and yeah, I mean, we all thought Mephesto, uh, Mephesto was going to show up in Loki, so. They've kind of been teasing that for a little bit now, so who knows? Maybe that is a route they're going. Mm. Yep. I definitely would have would not have caught 13 or 11 demons in that whole sequence that they did, so that's cool there. Fuck no. Hell no. Yeah. Why I say it's going to shit as I'm getting on. <laughs> nice. All right. I think with that, do you guys got anything else you want to bring up? No, I'm ready to go dive into some crumble cookies. I'm sitting here. I'm about to go inside and grab my cookies and devour (laughs) some deliciousness. 
<laughs> Fantastic. All right. So that'll do it for us here tonight. Thank you to everybody for listening on all our podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for listening to us. Thank you to Cousin David for being in the chat. Eric Pfeiffer for being with us earlier. And let's get some final thoughts here because, as always, thank you guys for being with us tonight. Dave Hastings, good to have you back, brother. Happy to be here. Sorry for the loud – well, talk about an exit. Jesus. Um, sorry for the loud noises, but more importantly, sorry for the delayed entrance. But glad to be back. Look forward to next week. And uh, yeah, Oh, wait, uh, AFC West next week? AFC West? Yeah, that sounds about right. Works for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, right. I'll, uh, I'll catch you guys next week and uh, glad to be back. Stay sweaty. Stay sweaty, Dave and Eric Tressler. You know, Mike, till next week, stay sweaty, my friend. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes, and I am Mike Aglialoro. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see y'all next week. <laughs>